Right, well, you know, picking a name for a child can be quite a, a stressful event. Uh, parents don't always agree on, on names for their children. So, for example, um, I wanted to call our first child, being British, I wanted to call our first child Winston. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing, but um, for some reason, Louise wasn't all that keen on a little Winston running around. So my, 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 the next name I had on my list was Marmaduke. <laughs> and again, I don't know why, but she wasn't all that keen on Marmaduke. And um, I was then going to suggest uh, that we name our daughter after one of my previous girlfriends. Um, but I decided that it was probably safest to give that idea a miss. You know, you actually have to think uh, carefully also about matching your child's first name with uh, their surname. Um, not all parents give it the kind of consideration that this mixing of the, the, the first name and the surname um, requires. So here's some real examples of some names. Uh, here's some girls' names. Robin Banks, <laughs> Nora Bone, <laughs> D. Zaster. These are actually these are actually really not real names. I'm a kettle, <laughs> hazelnut, and I like this one, Annette Curtin. <laughs> and then boys' names, just in case. There's Dan Druff. This one's a good one. Seymour Leg, <laughs> Timber, <laughs> loud and clear. And Ricochet. So oh, those poor kids, you know, you've really got a feel for them. They must have copped it something shocking where, when they were at school. I'm not sure what their parents were thinking about. Names uh, matter and names have meaning, particularly um, in Hebrew culture and biblical times. Um, names were often uh, very significant. A name uh, told you something about a person's uh, character or their call. And over the next uh, four weeks during this Advent season, we're going to take a look at the various names or titles which the prophet Isaiah gave to Jesus some 700 years um, before his birth. And Isaiah was, uh, was uh, prophesying at a time of great uh, fear and uh, turmoil in Israel. And these names of the Messiah or of the Christ who was to come um, brought, brought hope and help to a people who were experiencing darkness and confusion. And these uh, names and, and titles of Jesus that we're going to look at over the next little while um, are also able to provide us with hope as well. They speak to us of the, um, of the character and the nature and the call of Christ. And they remind us of who Jesus is for us. They point um, to the ways in which Jesus can help us and meet our needs. And so, sorry, I'm just in a tangle here, aren't I? Thank you. Lou still does dress me, by the way. <laughs> um, she does, actually. I'm, I'm colourblind and... Um, and uh, often on a morning time, I will dress and I'll stand in front of her and say, is this okay? And I get the ticket, tick of approval before I walk out the door. So Isaiah chapter 9 and, uh, and verse 6. 
It says, For to us a child is born, a son is given. And the government or the, the, the authority, the, the um, responsibility, the leadership uh, will be on his shoulders. He's going to carry this thing. And he will be called, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What a great name. That's a long name. But it's a great name. And this morning, we're going to look at the first uh, name or title that Isaiah gives to Jesus, Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. This uh, word, uh, wonderful, is the Hebrew word Pele. Now, if you're uh, familiar with soccer, you would know that Pele is probably, or considered by Many, many people to be the, the most amazing soccer player that's, 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 that's ever lived. He was, he was a wonderful soccer player. So his, his parents named him well. And this Hebrew word, uh, pale, means to marvel, um, to be amazed. And it indicates something extraordinary, something that's astonishing or beyond comprehension. I'm just trying to imagine Isaiah as he begins to prophesy and he's trying to find words to describe the indescribable. There is no word or there is no concept big enough to capture what this coming saviour was going to be like. And so Isaiah is saying that this child will be no ordinary child. Um, He's literally out of this world world. He's someone beyond imagination. I'm getting excited. He's someone, yeah, now the arms are going to move and this is, I'm going to get tangled again. But he is someone so good that even in our wildest dreams, we couldn't imagine that the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God could be as good as he would be. He is Pele. He is wonderful. Our little granddaughter, um, Maya, uh, is at that age. She's, she's 12 months old, and she's at that age where everything is awe-inspiring. I was, I was with her the other night, and she would just, she now points. She points at everything, and she's just amazed at whatever it is that she sees. She looks at things, and her eyes light up, and she's filled with wonder, I'm looking at some of you and your eyes are filled with wonder. You're wondering, what's wrong with this man? (laughs) We all need... I'm going to take this off, sorry. We all need a bit of wonder in our lives. Some of us, I'm going away from my notes, some of us, our lives are so dull and so boring. And we need an injection of wonder. Wonder is the wow factor. You know, you take a a small child uh, to the zoo and they see a giraffe and they go, wow. And then you take them uh, to the elephants and they go, wow. And then they see the lions and they go, wow. Everything is wonderful. Everything is absolutely amazing. And we all need a bit of wow in our lives. 
What gives you wow? I'm not going to ask that question. (laughs) G.K. Chesterton said, we have to wonder. So we steal it through art. We're wired to wonder. We need to wonder. We're desperate to wonder. And so G.K. Chesterton says we we steal wonder through art, through uh, literature or through through, uh, uh, fine arts. You know, uh, going to the, to the National Gallery. I love how the Victorian, Victorians decided that we have the National Gallery here, here in Melbourne. But the National Gallery, I went to the, uh, the recent exhibition with the Museum of Modern Art from New York. And it's just, if you like, I just stand in front of some paintings and it's just, it's, it's wow. It's, it's remarkable. Um, or you go to the theatre or the movies for, for two hours, you experience tra- your, your transcendence because you're, 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 you're exported, you're transported for a moment in time out of this world into another world. And how good is that? We all need those wow moments. Do you want to put on that um, um, uh, song just really, really quickly? That means fade. That means fade. That means cut. That means fade. I I remember as a teenager, you know when you're a teenager and you go through those stages where you read poetry and whatever it is, you know, you kind of... I remember reading Shakespeare, not that I got anything out of it, but I just, it was cool to be seen walking through school with a book by Shakespeare. And, and, and well, at least, uh, at least in my mind it was. Perhaps I was wrong. Um, but I remember, I don't know where this, this album came from, Handel's Messiah, and I found it in our record collection when I was a teenager. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like into rock and punk and all that sort of stuff. But I put that Handel's Messiah on. And I went, oh, wow. There's something about this that's sublime. This is, this, is, this is not talking heads. This is something else. This has a wow about it. But not of all, all of us find um, transcendence or wonder in art. For some of us, we find transcendence in nature. We were recently, um, or a couple of years ago, we were in New Zealand in Queenstown, and that was the view out of, our, out of where we were living. And they call them the Remarkables for a really good reason. Has anybody been there? It's, it's remarkable. And it changed, the scenery changes. 
All, all the New Zealanders are feeling incredibly proud right now. So they realise that New Zealand's not just about sheep and rugby, but it has Ramaka and hobbits. There are some other good things about New Zealand. It, could somebody interpret that, please? <laughs> it's remarkable. You, you, you look at that site and, and it, it's wow. For Christians, however, our ultimate source of wonder is not music or art or creation. Our source of wonder is a person. And his name is Jesus. He is the one who brings wonder into our world. He's the one that stops life from being dull. Listen to these words of Napoleon um, regarding Jesus. He said, Everything about Christ astonishes me. His spirit overawes me and his will confounds me. Beside him and whoever else is in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. He is truly a being by himself. His ideals and his ideas, the truths which he announces, are not explained by human organisation or by the nature of things. His birth and the history of his life, the profoundness of his teaching, which grapples the greatest difficulties and for which he has the most remarkable solution, the gospel. His empire is for me a wonder, a mystery unfathomable, which plunges me into a reverence which I cannot escape, a mystery which I cannot deny or explain. Here I see nothing human. The nearer I approach, the more carefully I examine him. Everything is above me. Everything remains grand. A grandeur which, over, which overcomes me. His religion is a revelation from a source which is certainly not human. I think Napoleon has seen something of Jesus and he's gone Wow, he is wonderful. In fact, everything about Jesus is wonderful. His teaching is wonderful. People would walk for days out into the wilderness or they'd climb a hill. They'd take the, fa the family with them and they'd climb a hill and they'd listen to what he had to say. And after giving the Sermon on the Mount, it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, after he'd given his discourse on the Sermon on the Mount, it says the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. And the Bible tells us time and time again that people were amazed, that they were astonished by the teaching of Jesus. The disciples, when they were kind of, uh, a number of his followers had kind of uh, gone AWOL because some of his teaching was a little bit challenging. His disciples said, Jesus, where else can we go? Who else has the words of eternal life? Jesus' words are so wise. His words challenge us. They inspire us. And given the opportunity, they will transform us. But not only is his teaching wonderful, his miracles are wonderful. 
It says in Mark 7, the crowds were completely amazed and, and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. And in Luke 5, it says the crippled man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. When Jesus is around, life cannot be boring. When Jesus is around, listen to me, church cannot be dull. It cannot be dull. If we're hearing the truths of Jesus, then those truths will challenge us. And they will inspire us. And they will transform us. And if the presence of Jesus in our, is in our midst, then there has to be shifts and changes in our lives. We can't stay the same. So the teaching of Jesus is wonderful. His miracles are wonderful. But you know, most of all, it's his love of people that's the best. Jesus had time for the poor. And yet, he also embraced the wealthy like Zacchaeus. He had time for those who were outcasts and on the margins and on the, the fringes of the religious life of Israel, those that would not be welcomed into the temple or into the synagogue. And yet, when Nicodemus, a religious leader, came knocking at his door late one night, Jesus welcomed him too. The religious and the irreligious, the poor and the wealthy. And on the cross, whilst dying for the sins of the world... One of the criminals dying alongside of him said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. I just love that, that the heart of Jesus is reaching out to those alongside him who are suffering. And he has uh, he humanizes and he has time for and he forgives and he loves all. Over, over recent weeks, I've been listening to some podcasts. And I fall in love with Jesus all over again. I've been saying to Louise, I'd gladly give up my life for this Jesus. I just become overwhelmed again with his beauty and his kindness and his, and, his, and his mercy and his tender heart and also his toughness. There is something about Jesus that's just overwhelming me, overwhelming me at the moment. I've been thinking of those words that old song. How marvelous. How wonderful. And 
our song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. You see, when we live in the wonder of who Jesus is, it counterbalances all the disappointments and the dullness of life. But Jesus is not only wonderful, he is also counsellor. And this word counsellor in the Hebrew language is the word ya'atz. Ya'atz. Thank goodness for, for Google. And this word means to advise, to consult, or to guide. And when you think about a counsellor, at least when I think about a counsellor, I think of someone who listens intently, someone who gives wise advice, and someone who is able to point us in the right direction that we should go. And Jesus is our ultimate counsellor. I encourage people to, um, I think there are levels of counsel or help that we can receive. I think just having some good friends and people that you can just be honest with is really is a base level thing. You just have to have those relationships where you, you talk things um, over with friends, people that you can trust. Then there is pastoral or biblical counseling and prayer ministry. I think that's incredibly important. And then there is a, another level beyond pastoral or biblical or prayer ministry, and that's professional help. Sometimes we get stuck and we need a, a professional person who's skilled and equipped to help us work through the stuff in our lives or the difficulties that we might have in our relationship. And we should not be ashamed. We should not be ashamed of admitting that we need help and seeking counsel. But our ultimate counselor is Jesus. Firstly, he's a counselor who cares for us. A friend of ours um, had a very traumatic experience uh, recently, and I was just talking with them during the week. And um, after this traumatic experience, I suggested that they really needed to go and see a psychologist, and so they did. And so the first time they visited the psychologist, um, they told the psychologist the, um, the traumatic experience they'd been through. And they went back to this uh, psychologist about a month or so later, and the psychologist said, oh, look, can you just remind me what happened to you again? So um, this person then had to relive the trauma and go through all of the details again because the psychologist couldn't remember. This friend of ours went back the third time and the psychologist had no memory of this person's story and said, oh, I'm sorry, you're going to have to just tell me what happened to you again. And this person, called, I spoke to them during the week and said, I, I came out of that session and I was re-traumatised all over again. That counsellor didn't care. Because if they had have cared, they would have done their homework. You know, every one of us here is going through something. 
If, if you're here this morning and you're not going through something, I want to come and I want to touch the hem of your garment <laughs> so I get whatever it is that you've got into my life. And Jesus cares about whatever it is that you're going through. And he invites you, it says in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 5, verse 7, he invites you to cast all your cares upon him because he, he cares for you. He's a counselor who cares for you. Jesus is someone who we can go to with our, our challenges, whether they're financial, relational, emotional, whether we're concerned about the people who are close to us. And we can go to Jesus and we can cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. I was chatting with a, a, a pastor, a friend of mine during the week, and he said he, he met a, a lady, and this lady was really concerned about her cat who was sick. And so he went round and he prayed for this lady's cat, laid hands on the cat. And I thought, that's the kind of thing, I can imagine Jesus doing that. Jesus even loves cats. I'm a dog lover, not a cat lover. But I imagine Jesus just <coughs> loving cats, even loves cats. Secondly, as a counsellor, Jesus identifies with us. He understands what we're going through. In Hebrews 4, it says, Jesus understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. You know, Jesus gets you. Jesus gets you. I know we're incredibly complex and unique people, but he, he gets you. He understands. There's nothing that you're going through or been through that he somehow is not unfamiliar with. And sometimes just having somebody who gets you is enough to change us. And thirdly, he's a counsellor who can help us. A human counsellor can care for people, they can identify with people, but they can only provide a certain level of help. In Hebrews again it says, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Then in Hebrews 2, Since he himself, Jesus, has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Now, the great thing about Jesus is he's, and how he's different from other counselors is he's available 24-7. He's ever present to help. But can I tell you that his counseling and any form of counseling only works when we are, number one, when we are um, honest. You've got to be honest with Jesus. You've got to self-disclose. While he knows everything about you, he's waiting for you to open up. And secondly, you've got to be humble. You've got to be willing to take the posture of somebody who's, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to whatever it is that Jesus might tell me. Even if it's something that I don't want to hear, I'm going to listen. So we need to be honest and we need to be humble. But that's still not going to set us free. If we want Jesus to be 
a wonderful counsellor in our lives, we also have to be obedient. We have to be willing to put into practice what he, as the ultimate counsellor, has to say. In another previous uh, church setting, um, there was, a, was a, an older couple that were in their 60s, and um, I'd been to visit them um, on a number of occasions uh, to provide them with some, some marriage counselling. And each time, they just bickered and fought between each other. And I went to the third time, and they started at one another again. And I just thought to myself, I've got better things to do with my time and my life than sitting here listening to this older couple just argue with one another and fight. And something came on me. And I turned around to them and I said, listen, I've had enough. I said, you know what the problem is with you two? I said, your problem is you're selfish and your problem is you are selfish. And it's about time both of you just grew up. And I said, I've had enough. I'm leaving. And I got up. Did somebody clap? I got up and I walked out and I sat in the car and I thought, oh my God, what have I done? It seemed like a good idea at the time. I thought, well, we're never going to see them in church again. But you know what? They were there next Sunday. To their credit, they came up to me and said, Steve, we want to thank you. We get it. We saw it. And their, their marriage actually turned around. And they stayed together until he recently passed away. You know, sometimes... Um, Jesus will say things to us that are tough, that we don't want to hear. He'll speak firmly into our lives, but he does that not to hurt us, but to help us. If the musicians want to just come forward, can we do that? Jesus, what a, what a saviour. Um, Near the end of his life, um, the exiled Emperor Napoleon came to the following conclusion about Jesus. He said, I know men, and I tell you, Jesus Christ was not a man. Superficial minds see a resemblance between Christ and the founders of empires and the gods of other religions. That resemblance does not exist. There is between Christianity and other religions the distance of infinity. Alexander, Caesar and Charlemagne and myself founded empires. But on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon sheer force. Jesus Christ also founded his empire upon love and at this hour millions will die for him from the first day to the last he is the same majestic and simple infinitely firm and infinitely gentle he proposes a series of mysteries and commands with authority 
that we should believe, believe them, giving no other reason than those tremendous words, I am God. Would you stand with me this morning? And let's give Jesus, the wonderful counselor, a big round of applause. Let's, let's bless him this morning. Let's honor him this morning. Wonderful counselor, Jesus, we bless you this morning. We thank you for who you are for us. You are altogether lovely, altogether wonderful, altogether glorious, and we bless you. Lord Jesus, be our counselor for those in this place this morning that need wisdom and that need help. Lord, be for them that which you, they need you to be. We pray in your name. Amen. Jesus, what a Savior, what a brother, what a friend, lifter. Of the lowly God, you meet me where I am. Jesus, Jesus, what a savior, what a brother, what a friend, lifter of the lowly. God, you meet me where I am. Your heart, it knows no borders, knows no walls. Your constantly moving towards me with Never known a love like yours. I've never known a love like yours. No, I've never known a love like yours. Jesus, I've never known a love like yours. Jesus, Jesus. What a Savior, what a brother, what a friend, lifter of the lonely, God, you meet me where I am, your heart, your heart, it knows no borders, knows no more. You're me moving towards me with open arms. Your heart, your heart, in no borders, no I'm 
I've never known a love like yours I've never known a love like yours Never known a love like yours I've never I've never known a love like yours I've never known a love like yours Captivated by his love. And guided by his word, we pray. In his precious name.